Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. The, the whole premise of this of this this story and this this scandal story was that we benefited somehow. Right. I never received a penny of bonus money. Not one penny in eight years of working for Atlanta Public Schools because executive directors of schools were not in the bonus structure. Even the, the story that was put out there, you would have thought we had done something to benefit financially, that we had, you know, and people still believe that, you know, I've got a pot of gold somewhere in my backyard. Mm. Never got a, a penny bonus money, but yet $4 million bond on my end. But for helping public school students, they thought you was getting a bunch of money? Yes. So they the, thought a bunch of little black poor children yes. were coming to pay you for the answers no. to the test. See, now you hit the politics. I'm a diverse individual. All of this shit is real. Everybody's like, ah, what is it? Is he a family man? Is he a trapper? Is he a ladies man? Well, I'm all of it. All of it. I beat your ass, kiss your girl, and go tuck my kids in. And then I show up and lead a march on the weekend. <laughs> it's all real. Real, real. This is Expeditiously. I am Tilt T.I. Uh-huh. Now, the following experience is not a test. The conversations and stories expressed on this podcast are meant to be an expression of purpose and truth. This show, properly entitled Expeditiously, is a free exchange of ideas and opinions. No judgment, no preconceived beliefs, no fear. You're encouraged to share your thoughts and ask any question as long as it's done with respect. And that's through true love and respect for others that we will change the world and speak truth to power, one show at a time. Now, without further ado, this is Expeditiously. I'm Tip T.I. Harris. Hey, what's happening, man? Welcome to Expeditiously. I am your host, Tip T.I. Harris. Now, what we do here is we have uh, tough but healthy discussions that can push the culture, the community, and the generation forward with the people who are most relevant to the discussion. Uh, when I think about, man, at the origin of this show, uh, what prompted me or made me want to do a show like Expeditiously, this particular episode probably will prove itself to be one of the best examples of how I wanted to responsibly use this platform. Not just to entertain, but, to, you know, to inform, you know, and inspire you as well. Uh, as I always say, man, uh, we want to have a conversation with people about the issues to push our culture forward, and we can't do that having comfortable, convenient discussions. This episode will delve into one of the most high-profile investigations that the city of Atlanta, my city of Atlanta, and our national public education system has ever seen. Today, we're talking about the 2009 Atlanta public school cheating scandal, where more than 1,000 teachers and principals were accused of cheating on state-administered standardized tests. Uh, and I know it doesn't really, I mean, you probably don't, it don't sound like a big deal, but th these are fed charges. <laughs> and, you know, these people had to, to fight the government and got you know, RICO charges in real time behind this shit. Okay, in studio, I have with me Jody Gomes, the producer of the new documentary, One Child Left Behind, The Untold Atlanta Cheating Scandal. Hello, thank hey. you for having me. Thank you so much for coming, Jody. I appreciate your presence and your insight here. Um, we also have two of those convicted, Miss Dana Evans and Miss Tamara Cotman. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And also, last but not least, we have LaDawn Blackett-Jones, who served as legal consultant on the film. That's right. Nice to be here. Yes. Okay. So, uh, how in the hell do people who have placed the weight on their shoulders uh, of educating our children and guiding the future end up in a court facing RICO charges? 
Well, I think it's a good question. It's a relevant question, and that's what made me dive into making a documentary about this topic because um, I was working on something else that was murder charges, mm-hmm. and the person that um, was convicted of the murder got three years. And a week after that announcement of that particular case, I saw in the news that 12 educators were getting upwards of 30, three zero years mm-hmm. um, of these... Com- oh, I'm sorry, 40, 40. years. 40 years. Uh, girl, did I knock off 10? Yes. I'm sorry. Well, you knocked <laughs> but, them, you, you knock them off quicker than the government. I sure did. (laughs) But it didn't reconcile with me that 40 years for educators, it didn't matter what they had done. I just didn't understand anything shy of murder, how they got those kind of convictions. So we dug in deep because I thought with my kids being in school in Atlanta and it being a story about these black female teachers, mostly all African-American, but mostly females, Mm. I wanted to dig in because I felt like something had tragically gone wrong in Atlanta. And mm. I wanted to find out the who, what, when, where, and why of how do you put educators in jail for that amount of time and to convict them of RICO charges. And what I found was a story that was untold. I, I found a story where you heard a lot about the prosecution side and their voices right. were captured, but the defense side wasn't. And so I set out to make a movie that was fair and balanced and told both sides. And we gathered the convicted. We gathered the accused, we gathered those that pled guilty, we got whistleblowers, we got the DA, we got the prosecution and the defense attorneys on record, and the head of GBI mm. on record to t- tell me and reconcile with me, how do you put teachers in jail for 12 years and did the punishment fit the crime and was there a crime at all? Mm. I mean, who knew test cheating could put you in jail? Why not fight? The question we put forth to everybody was why not pump the brakes, fire people and move on with your day, fix the system and move on with your day. But what we found was the entire system was broken. Okay. Well, I, I, words, I think. Okay. That answers that. Money, power, and race. Well, mm. That's how you get us in jail. It's, about, it's always back to money. Where, and if you follow the money, you can find the reasons why race because of disproportionality of African Americans who are jailed. And I used to think that I would be I wouldn't be a part of that system. I have a PhD, master's degree, straight A's, mm. live a pretty good, honest life. I'm a Christian. So I never thought I would be on the other end of a jail cell. Because you think when you live your life a certain way that you're different from the other black people that you see on television who are incarcerated. But you right. real I realize that we're all the same. So it's about money. It's about power. Who has the power to put people in places they shouldn't be? Who has the power to control systems? And it's about race. Mm. Man. I, I think there's something else that we didn't understand. Um, we came into this um, trial really believing that the truth would come out and yeah. that the truth would make um, the situation clear and that we would not be held criminally responsible for the actions of other people. And I think when you look at uh, the DA's office who chose to charge us with RICO, which really means that you don't necessarily have to do anything. As long as you work for an organization or have a relationship with an organization where somebody does something wrong, you can be held responsible for that. Right. Um, and that's that's, that's troubling scary. because I don't think we, we understood that coming into that. I think we trusted the criminal justice system. I think we trusted the process. And that was a really big mistake um, right. because when you are in a position of power, you can sort of shape um, the charges any way you want. And I didn't know that there was a trial tax. I went to prison because I chose to go to trial and fight the charges and not take a plea. I didn't realize that people take innocent people take plea deals every single day All the time. because they're pushed into that situation. I didn't I didn't know any better. I, mm. I really believe that, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. We should fight. 
not realizing that when you fight, they come after you yeah. and they give you pretty much the, the strongest arm of the law that they can extend. It's about the win-loss ratio. At exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, so we're going to take a pause in the conversation expeditiously so we can discuss this. Uh, bet online, all right? I know what you're thinking. We're currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB. You probably figure there's nothing to bet on. Eh. Wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to rage on, all right? From their online casino to poker and blackjack as they're bringing Vegas to you now. You dig what I'm saying? Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL simulations you can wage on. You dig what I'm saying? If you're in the entertainment betting, you can still bet on survival, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices. And even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Bet online, you understand? All open 24 hours a day and all online, you understand me? Visit the website or use your mobile device and join the day to receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One. Bet online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account. Make sure that you use that promo code Podcast One for your sign up bonus. All right. Visit betonline.ag and don't forget the promo code Podcast One. P O D C A S T O N E. Use that for your sign up bonus. Bet online, your online sports book expert. So it says that there were a thousand teachers and principals accused. Uh, How many actually made it to court? So there were about 1,200 people that were investigated. And of those 1,200, you had teachers, principals, and administrators. So you had some folks that were actually in the classroom and you had their bosses. Mm -hmm. And that's what, quote unquote, represented the criminal ring. Criminal. Okay, we're talking about educators. We're talking about teachers. That's right. But they're trying to... But bracket that, it. They're trying to create a bracket for it as yep. though, a, a, the same as they would the mafia. Exactly like the mafia and like drug lords. They said if you, the criminal or, the organization, if it's an organization, and you don't have to know the person who did the crime, or be a part of the crime, but you can still be guilty of, of RICO. So they, they categorize Atlanta Public Schools as an enterprise. Mm. And so... Mm. It's a government. It, it, it's a government. Like, isn't it... Like is, the Girl Scouts. It's wow. a government organization. It's a government organization. So how can they? How can someone else take ownership of an enterprise that is? Well, think by about the it like this: so the um, racketeer and uh, influence corrupt organization act, right? Okay. Uh, uh, if all of these teachers, which they did not, were right. selling crack, right, uh-huh. at different schools, uh-huh. right, but they did it or in an organized fashion, even if mm-hmm. one didn't know what was happening in another school, that would fall. We know in this case, though. The reason why RICO was important is because without it, the district attorney's office loses jurisdiction. So mm. technically, the Fulton County DA's office has con- has the authority and jurisdiction over mm. felonies and misdemeanors. But typically, if a case is only charged as a misdemeanor, it's handled in uh, state court. The state court solicitor at the time passed on passed on it. She wasn't going to prosecute it. She wasn't going to move forward. So in order to reliably keep the case in Fulton County Superior Court the district attorney had to indict the case as a RICO charge because outside of that, most of them had misdemeanors for false statements, false swearings, things of that sort. But what happened, to answer your question, was there was one particular school in the summertime. um, They took their test, and they had to retake the test because they didn't pass. Well, long and short, the media, um, or a couple parents were whistleblowers and said that their children came home and said, Mom, I know I passed the test. Mom said, How? How do you know? Because the teacher gave us the answers. 
And so that snowballed into a greater story that the Atlanta Journal Journal Constitution chased after. And you know they're a very conservative um, publication, and they started chasing after that one particular school. And looking at that one particular school's test scores, they did see that the the test scores had elevated and took this huge jump that wasn't. It wasn't a basic jump. Mm. It didn't look like an organic jump. It did take a huge jump. From there, an investigation started amongst Atlanta public schools. It just kind of kept growing and snowballing and snowballing where you had whistleblowers coming out. You had disgruntled employees. You had people that did admit to cheating. So there was cheating. And I don't want people to watch this film and think, oh, there was no cheating in Atlanta. Yes, there was cheating. And there were many people. And we have them on camera that admitted to cheating. And they told us why, which we'll get into in a second. Mm-hmm. But there it, it was it was presented in such a way that if you cheated you could get a plea deal but inside that plea deal you had to implicate somebody else you had to admit guilt yourself but you mm. had to implicate somebody else in order for your plea deal to go through and i think those stipulations started the finger pointing and started people snitching Oh, rule 35 yeah and, and i think ladon can talk a little bit more about that but we encountered a lot of teachers and educators that wanted to go um, unrecognized in the film because they wanted to speak their truth. And the truth was that they did cheat and they felt like there was a lot of pressure coming from the top down for them to cheat. And I always say, and I think, Tamara, you said this best, you know, I need money, but I've never picked up a gun and walked into Wells Fargo and demanded it. You know, so you have choices you can make even when you're under pressure. Um, And so I think people took individual individual stakes in this and did what they did. So there was cheating and there were children that were cheated and that's why the film title is One Child Left Behind Mm -hmm. because One Child Left Behind, in my opinion, is too many in our education system. Mm -hmm. But the flip side to that was out of the 1,200 teachers that were investigated, 35 indictments came out of 1,200. Out of those 35, 12 decided not to take plea deals and pled not guilty and went to trial. They rolled the dice and went to trial. Of those 12, two are sitting here today. And uh, well, and how did the other? What what happened with the other ten? So, um, Dr. Hall was also indicted, so she she passed away. So she. I'm she, so sorry to hear that. She yeah. died. Um, the other, oh, the twelve rest of us, we went to court and we were found guilty. So we all went to jail for. Um, Judge Baxter said to um, scare us. The interesting part about the case is so after after the jury came back and. You know, we were found guilty. Um, they offered offered us another plea deal, which is unusual because we lost. So why do we take? Why are we getting another plea deal? And the plea deal was that we would give up our, our rights to an appeal. If we gave up our rights to an appeal, then they would do something else for us. So all of us went. Out of that twelve, um, two were in, incarcerated. Miss um, Cotman and another teacher, and two pled after they got out because you know jail was something that's difficult. So they they pled. They had to accept guilt in that, right? It was after the conviction. Guilt. It was yeah. a post conviction plea, yes. mm-hmm. which never I've happens. I've never heard of a post conviction. That never happens. <laughs> Absolutely unheard of, yeah, particularly in Fulton County. So understand that this, this was not really. They had more than one one opportunity to enter pleas in this case, which is unheard of. So first it was before the case even goes to trial, come in, talk to us, tell us what you did. And because we are under the presumption that this Mm -hmm. is a uh, racketeering case, you have to be involved with someone else. So tell us about everyone you were involved in. Otherwise, if you're not telling us about everyone you work with, then clearly you're not being honest. That was step one. If you came in and took a plea, it was no jail time. 
right? You would get probation. Everybody who took a plea in the front end, probation, and you go on about your business. If not, you go to trial. For them to get to the end of trial, now it is not unheard of for right before the jury comes back, right? Mm-hmm. One side or the other be like, okay, Right. This one is what we're one last, do. One last, one last because we think yeah. we're losing. So right. let's see if we can work this out and not roll the dice. But for after the jury to come back, it's absolutely unheard of. Not to only that, but after the jury comes back and again, not asking for the amount of time that they ended up ultimately getting. If you did, in fact, take that plea after the fact. Yeah, man, we're going to take a pause in the conversation, man. You know what I mean? Just so we can get into this. Right now, our day-to-day lives can be a bit stressful. Now more than ever. You know what I mean? But there's a way to feel better. Emphasis on feel better. All right? And that way is Feels Premium CBD. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Feels, F-E-A-L-S, is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Feels naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Now, uh, on long flights, you know what I'm saying? Last time I went to Africa, I think I went to Ghana, me and my old lady, man. You know what I'm saying? When we get on the flight, we took a little Feels premium CBD. Uh, and to be honest with you, it was exactly what I needed, man. You know, I mean, I don't mind long flights as much as my old lady do, but this flight was much better. I mean, or should I say it was much shorter? Because I, I remember taking fields. I remember dozing off. And I remember touching down, waking up. You dig what I'm saying? So the flight was short as a motherfucker, man. And if you're walking around with a little more anxiety than you used to, man, give fields a try. It'll be just what you need to take a breather, all right? Feels is easy to take. Once it's delivered, just place a few drops of feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is finding your right dosage, okay? Everyone's dose is different, so leave room to experiment over the course of a week or so. You may need to take more or less to get the effects you're looking for. Now, the best part about feels is that it works naturally to help you feel better. There's no high hangover or addiction. Join the Fields community to get Fields delivered to your door every month. You'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel anytime. Fields CBD had me feeling my very best, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to fields.com slash TIP. You'll get 50% off of your first order with free shipping. That's Fields, F-E-A-L-S dot com. Slash TIP to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off of your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash TIP. The thing about that though is by the time you get to this point, all you have left is truth. You've stripped away my job, my reputation, my took all my finances. You have made me accuse me all across America of something I have I would never do. I dedicated my whole life to kids. So why would I try to harm the very people that I wanted to save? So no, I'm not going to lie on someone else to say just to get myself out of trouble. So that's what the whole I, the whole thing is. There are people in this world who will lie, cheat, whatever, for, for whatever reason. I'm not one of them. So I'm not going to lie on you to get myself out of trouble. I'm not going to lie on myself to get myself out of trouble. And so it, it came to the point where it was like, if I give in, I mean, we were shackled. And I'd never been in jail. I'd never been a part of an investigation. I've never been fired. I've never had a, a write-up. I mean, not like I'm perfect, but I'm pretty much, a, you know, a pretty, what you see is what you get. So I'm behind jail. I'm behind bars. We're shackled. My lawyer comes up to me and he says, they have another plea deal for you. This is after we've been in jail. 
And I'm and I'm like, and is so this, you, is this before you actually made it back from court? Like this, this is, is when we were going back to court for sentencing. Gotcha. So we went. So he sent us immediately to jail after the sentencing. We stayed for for fourteen days, and then we came back for for sentencing after the guilty after finding. The guilty finding. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry. So we were getting ready to go before the judge, and you know we're shackled. He's, he's like, I'm going to talk to you. And what? Right. How much time were you facing at that point? Walking into that courtroom, he was talking about doing the maximum sentences for. What everybody. was the maximum after a guilty plea for these charges? So forty years for me. Forty years. <laughs> but I wasn't found guilty of all five charges. So the RICO was five years, mm-hmm. and there was a um, uh, a charge of. Uh, <laughs> so okay, well, the, we know well, you're we, not no criminal. You don't even know what you're in charge with. No, it's, um, it's, it's false statements false in writing, statements. and it was in the false statement that they said, which was another five years, was um, I didn't know anything about cheating, which I didn't. So it was I was facing I think ten years. Um, so I, my my lawyer came to me and said, so they're offering another plea deal, and and if you've ever been in prison. I have. You, you, <laughs> you know how how bad you want to get out, and so and, and when you're shackled, I was thinking like, oh, here's the key, but you just you know you just you just come to a place in your and and where you feel like no, you're not gonna you're not gonna make me who I'm not. This I'm not gonna. This place you speak of is called <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> this is you know we we have to stand on principles yeah. and morals at some point and you know i i i mean i can't say that you did anything that i wouldn't have did you know what i mean i think you know that's so after okay so after what was after the I, what was the plea deal that they offered at that time it was i think it was weekend jail weekend jail i think it was 2 years weekend jail for most people and i think some got a i got a all uh, option. You can do yes. week in jail. You can take a short amount of time and just knock it all, knock yes. it out. Mm. It was week in jail. There was there was substantial fines, uh, as well as um, the most important thing was giving up the right to an appeal. And I think mm-hmm. when when you realize that you're you're really kind of getting shafted by a system, right. um, you have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm one of the people. Who, I'm the only person actually who had two trials. I went to trial. First time it was found not guilty on witness intimidation, went back to trial and was convicted on RICO. Three teachers in my region, three, were charged with cheating. I don't have a single principal that was ever charged. Mm. I supervise principals. And I went to prison because three teachers changed answers in my region. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That three, never should have principles that you had no idea. Three of, teachers. Oh, three I teachers. supervised She's principals. You supervised principals. I, as, gotcha. And all of my principals were cleared. But three of my teachers changed answers. And because of RICO, um, you know, people often ask, well, why didn't you take a plea deal? I would have had to lie to take a plea deal because right. I don't even have anybody right. in my region that I could have said I did anything wrong with. Mm. And I think that's problematic. Did the prosecution know that? Yes. Did they pursue anyway? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where the trial tax comes in. I had three teachers at my school cheated too. I think when you think about this, that okay. you can imagine the whole school cheating, right? No, there were three teachers. Okay, see, so this is the thing. I don't know if if those of us who have not yet seen the documentary understand. You guys weren't even teachers. No. No. You didn't pass out tests, collect no, no tests, go over tests. no studying. No. You had nothing to do with. No. You were you worked at at, at the superintendent's office for the school system. 
did my. Oh, you did. Okay, and you supervised principals. Correct. And you were a principal. Yes. But you were not. Neither of you were in classrooms. No. And she was new to the school. She had only been there a year. She inherited her staff. Mm, 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 So I was mm. at Inman Middle School. I don't know if you know Atlanta, but Grady, right by Grady High School. Yeah, I I know where Inman is. So I worked at predominantly white school. Okay. And it was there were no, no, no one white was in court. And no not, one white was in court. No. So, so the cheating skipped right past yeah, them. They just skipped past certain zip codes. Yet they cheated like crazy. They must have a melanin gene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't so that peculiar. I came from the white school, you know, what awards the next year uh-huh. at a black school. The only thing, the only difference in me is that now I'm with white, black children and now I'm a liar, cheater, and thief. So yeah, I was the first year. Damn. Okay, so for context, we know that a story broke by the AJC, which you just kind of detailed mm-hmm. to us. Um, let's, okay, this is what we know from this story. In 2009, the Atlanta Public School, the Atlanta Public Schools teachers and principals were accused of cheating on state administered standardized tests. Mm-hmm. All right, two, the Atlanta Journal Constitution broke the story when they published an analysis of the criterion reference competency tests. CRCT result that demonstrated statistically questionable scores, which launched an investigation, which is also what Jody said. And three, ultimately in 2011, they found 44 of 56 schools had cheated and then threw the book at the teachers and the administrations, indicting 35 people, charging charging them all with racketeering or the RICO. Um, Okay. But doesn't that sound excessive for test cheating? I mean, this shit sound like we dealing with fucking heroin dealers. You know, that's what stuck out to me. Like nobody died. Like, I'm not saying it's a victimless crime because I being a mother and being an education advocate, I believe education is the the best thing for us, especially African-American. Anybody brown it's the best thing for us to have in America. But. Nobody died here. Yeah, I know. That's no what drugs I was about to say. Exchange. What the fuck is going on with these tests? What do these tests <laughs> right. measure anyway? Exactly. exactly. Who benefits from the... What? What is the benefit? I'm trying to figure out the payoff. What's the motive? Because with any crime, there has to be intent and motive. Mm-hmm. Like... So this is where it gets interesting. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that when they indicted us, my bond was $4 million. My three colleagues' bond was $4 million. Dr. Hall's bond was $7 million. And that was your first time getting in trouble ever in life? Yes. Every single one of them. Yes. Mine was $1 million. Dana was $1 million, right? So so that should have let people know something was amiss, right? A $4 million. And it was a cash bond that they wanted from us. Luckily, a cash bond. Yes. Well, they L- thought she was getting paid. Well, that's what's interesting. That the whole premise of this of this this story and this this scandal story was that we benefited somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. I never received a penny of bonus money. Not one penny in eight years of working for Atlanta Public Schools because executive directors of schools were not in the bonus structure. So. Even the the story that was put out there, you would have thought we had done something to benefit money. financially yeah. that we had, get, you know, and people still believe that, you know, I've got a pot of gold somewhere in my backyard. Mm. Never got a, a penny bonus money, but yet four million dollars bond on my hands. But for helping public school students, they thought you was getting a bunch of money. Yes, so they the, thought a bunch of little black poor children yes. were coming to pay you for the answers no. to the test. See, now you've hit the politics because the money where the bonuses came from came from the commerce, the 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 Georgia Commerce Business Commerce Association. So okay, grants. 
well, grants and different kind of scholarships. Okay. So what w- part of what um, Beverly Hall did really well that other people before her weren't, were unable to do, instead of saying, okay, let's get more tax dollars, let's raise property taxes, mm-hmm. she went out and talked to the business community. Yeah. And she met with them regularly. And so she started bringing in millions of dollars directly into the school system. And part of that money was used to create these bonuses. But for the people who went on trial, the total amount of the bonuses was less than $12,000 amongst all no, of them. No, $3,500. $3,500. A collective, wait a minute. All, all 12 Hold people. Up. This is the cheapest RICO case I have ever, ever seen in my life. You're telling me this organized crime syndicate mm-hmm. of teachers has um, uh, of educators and administrators have amassed a small empire worth of a fortune that equals up to $3,500. Before taxes. Not each person. Not <laughs> each person. Well, divided. ain't no taxes in crime. We're talking about crime. No, 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 no. Taxes. They had taxes they come had... out of their checks oh, before they got it. you mean yes. to tell me they got... Man, this <laughs> don't make no damn sense, right. man. This is $3,500 for all... Not each person, but $3,500 divided by 12 people and something the like the entire enterprise. Yes, yeah. yes. For all right. four years of the enterprise. So that's 3500 for four years. Because the enterprise lasted, I guess, for the... I don't understand. So they added the amounts together for each of us. So the only way they could get, because I think it's a certain amount of money you have to be. In order it has to, to be, be monetary connected, yeah. and then also has to be over amount to make some of these false swearing charges felonies rather than yes. misdemeanors. But let's talk about the real money, where the real crime yes. exists. APS, which is Atlanta Public Schools, was worth fifty million dollars. Okay. Um, that. Superintendent Beverly Hall had made a great partnership with private and public dollars, but she also had the government money. It's public school um, district, so she it was worth $50 million. The inner city of Atlanta was worth $50 million. Governor Purdue, Sonny Purdue at the time, and Governor Nathan Deal were both charter school proponents. They loved the charter school movement. They wanted to... Now, the superintendent, Dr. Hall, she had sole authority over that $50 million. The mm. governor cannot touch that money. It's the superintendent. She dictates where it goes, how it's spent, how it's used. He wanted that money. Mm. At the end of the day, he wanted control over APS. And getting... You know, I don't want to get into gentrification and all that, but there was a lot going on in the city at the time where APS schools were. And his he put together an agenda that was to close some of those schools that were in question. Mm-hmm. Now, there was cheating, and they, they were in question. But his plan was to close some of those schools and privatize them and take over that $50 million. Mm. Dr. Hall, who was a bad black female, basically told him to go fuck himself, if I can say that. <laughs> and yeah, it's expedition. Sure you can say fuck. So right from there... That's a, the least of our worries. <laughs> so from there, a pissing match happened between mm-hmm. Governor Deal, Governor Purdue, who's now in Trump's administration, but between Governor Purdue and Superintendent Hall, they were butting heads the whole time over that $50 million. And I think these 12 people are the collateral damage mm. of that whole thing. The real money is the $50 million, not $3,500. And who made away with the $50 million? It's still in that district. Okay. And that district is still governed by the superintendent. And that mm-hmm. district is now underperforming, is it not? Yes. It, nothing's changed. Okay. See, that, that's what this is about. There's a status quo that, pe- that makes people feel comfortable. The yeah. poor don't achieve and the rich achieve. And so Dr. Hall was the first superintendent I ever heard who thought, Our, these kids can go to Ivy League schools. And so mm-hmm. we were pushing people to teach children so that they can have uh, a different life or a life that they chose. So with that comes some resistance. There are people who are on board with that, like, okay, we're going to work hard. There are people who are comfortable with the way things are. 
So I think that now you don't hear anything in Atlanta Journal Constitution complaining about Atlanta public schools because now it's back to not doing well and that sits good with some people. Yeah. Mm. When the school system was trying to achieve and we're trying to make sure that people are, you know, above standard, then it becomes like, why are you pushing people so hard? You know these children can't answer these questions. Mm-hmm. Mm. When we were in court, the district attorneys said when we started, some of these kids couldn't spell cat and dog. What? what are you saying to me? So, it, and it feeds into what people believe about African American children, and not just African American, but children who learn different, children who are poor. Hmm. And so, people, there are certain parts of our group that believe that certain kids can't achieve. And then, when you push teachers or even me, principals, to want more, to be more, mm-hmm. to achieve more, it's it's there's a there's a pushback for mm. that. And so, this is about. Things staying the way they were makes it comfortable. Comfort and complacence. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, okay, so away from your case, I will say that I think that this is a travesty. I feel that you guys have, have been unjustly uh, indicted and convicted. And at this point, you're kind of prisoners of war, if you will, mm-hmm. political prisoners of war, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, but away from the case, just for a second, if we could just talk about uh, the, I guess, the purpose of, this is now me speaking. Mm-hmm. This is my opinion, what I feel, what I felt coming from a public school system as a student, you know, a, a young black man in, in an underserved area of society. I feel like public school was there to systemically kill the confidence of young black boys to mm. get them in place. You know what I mean? Those of us who had too much ambition, who were too boisterous, too revolutionary, who went against the system and didn't want to do it the way that the curriculum said, uh, we were kind of just kind of afterthoughts, cast, cast aside mm. as... You know, you're just going to wind up somewhere with the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and, and we were made to feel lesser than because we didn't want to get into this conformity, mm-hmm. you know, fitting into a personality or persona that didn't fit us. Uh, I remember I got into it with a teacher, uh, Doug High, man, and, and, and it was algebra. And I was good at algebra, like you know what I'm saying. Like that was one of my favorite math has always been my favorite subject, math and literature. Um, and this teacher always got in got into it with me because I didn't show my work every step of the way to do a problem. I could do math in my head; mm-hmm. I was that good. And so he just always kind of like marked my answers wrong. I'm like, nah, I'm not wrong. This, this is this is right. And so he, you know, invited me to come up, you know, and show the class to teach the class how to do it my way and I did mm. and I said see you don't need all of this so just because I don't learn the same as you did mm-hmm. or other people do you can't charge me with not doing it the way you say for me to do it and you know what I'm saying he tried to get me in trouble for mm-hmm. that and I think that it's a lot of that going on right now schools mm-hmm. don't cultivate the strengths of a student you know what I'm saying? They want to numb the senses and just like instruct you on exactly what to do instead of having the mind and awareness and and the, the wherewithal to be able to know what to do 
or figure out what to do. And then they, on top of that insult, they throw tests at you that don't take into social economic disadvantages of urban children. Sure. They just, I mean, they make you test on something that, like, come on, that, that has nothing to do with what this child may or may not know. Mm. But that's it's also happening, I hate to say it, even in private schools to black and brown kids. Like, my daughter recently did a math test, and she's in a private school, and she was accused of plagiarism because she didn't show her work. She got the answer right, all ten of them. And she did shortcuts because she's just a genius at math. Mm. And her teacher literally wrote on the paper and emailed me that she had plagiarized and cheated off. She must have found uh, the answers offline or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, now, you know, I went in. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, first of all, I'm the cheating scandal woman. Come on. (laughs) How can you? This is about conformity. It was about getting people to conform to a certain way that makes everyone else feel feel comfortable. Unfortunately, that's what schools do sometimes to keep people in line. And it is a way to, to kind of strip you of creativity. But there are some schools trying to go against that. It's unfortunate that when African-American children are creative, we think, oh, just settle down. When other groups of people are allowed to be just as creative and right. outspoken as they, as, they, as they want to be. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes there's something inherently fearful about African-American boys. I have a son who's mm-hmm. 27. He's been stopped by the police more than I've ever in my whole life now. I've been in jail. But he's been stopped by more than I ever have because he's tall. He's dark skinned. He's tall. He drives a charger, and so it, and he's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Right. But I think the perception is that sometimes black kids, and I, I'm writing a book, and one of them. This is the one story about a little boy who was at, at, at my school, a first grader, and he got sent to my office, and the teacher was like, "He's cussing," and she said, "He's saying P U S S Y," and so I said, "What?" This is G-rated, so we, I went through the whole thing. This is G-rated, R-rated school, and then I see, he said, "Oh no, no, I don't mean P-U-S-S-Y like that." Pointed to, him. he said, "I mean it like he was a scaredy cat." So I was, so and I thought to myself, "Okay, <laughs> this is this, he knows it's how not to that use, bad." Right? No, he, he understands how to define words. He uses, them, he uses them in different right. contexts. Yeah. Yep. He understands yep. what's appropriate and what's not in school. He's he's and so this kid can learn. Mm. Now some people. People would say he needs to be punished because he used P-A-U-S-S-Y, and some people are able to see beyond that. And so we just have to push the system to see. It's like a triple entendre word. (laughs) (laughs) Used correctly. Right. Right, But one of the things that you you don't, I don't know if you realize this, but you just made the argument that happens in the governor's office, in the legislature for school choice, right? So this Mm. $50 million, if it was not in this district of about 50,000 children, Mm -hmm. then it could be used for charter schools. It could be used for other resources. It could be used for the um, private school tuition credits, right? And so on the one end, you have these um, white people who are moving back in after white flight back into Atlanta, into these gentrified neighborhoods like Bankhead, right, where they now want to make sure that they can have a good school in their new gentrified neighborhood. But then on the other end, you have black parents who are not happy with the education that they were getting in these big warehouse schools. Mm -hmm. And so, although I believe there was a lot of malicious intent in general behind the education system in this case, there's also good-meaning people who are advocating Mm -hmm. for things that they don't like. And the solution to to the the problem that you propose, how black children are cheated, is small schools, charter schools, black-owned schools, allowing people to open their own schools and have a different kind of environment. Mm. But where do you get the money from that? Right. Public school. Right. Well, I think it also is a, a lot to be said by, um, okay, if, if, a, if a people are being oppressed, 
uh, they will never learn to liberate themselves if they are educated by the oppressor. Right. Mm-hmm. You dig what I'm saying? You will never find uh, a Jewish community sending their children to a school that teaches them to celebrate the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? So I think that I think that that the service we are receiving is indicative of the system that has been created to work against us. And I think our problem uh, more times than not is that instead of thinking of ways to unplug the system, we're thinking of how to work seamlessly within the system. You see what I'm saying? That's why you're saying like, hey, I did, I played it by the books. I went to college, I got a PhD, never been never been in trouble, and here I am still. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? See, that's because you know, even you know, even as innocent and and as subconscious as it may have been, you guys implemented yourselves into a system that was never, never set up for you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Right. Yep. Or us, never set up for us. Right. No matter how many of us excel academically or or athletically or whatever, no matter how many uh, accolades we receive, degrees, no matter how much money we make, I mean. Ultimately, man, it's all gonna boil down to what you do if you got the complexion for the connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? More times than not. There are exceptions to yeah. every rule and everybody is not bad. Uh I am not a believer that all white people are the devil. I think that's mm-hmm. bullshit. I I've seen just as many evil niggas as I have, mm-hmm. you know, evil white people. But the point is, most of the evil white people are in power. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And, and that is why it, it, it matters so much. Yeah. And so, uh, where can we go and see this phenomenal documentary? Well, the movie's called One Child Left Behind, and it's on Apple TV. Okay. But you also, if you're an Amazon addict, you can you can download it and purchase it and rent it on Amazon. Just look up One Child Left Behind. And as of today, today is day two, and we were trending number two mm. in top documentaries. So That's amazing. I want to have people keep looking and keep buying and keep purchasing and, and learning about what happened in this case, because it really is a travesty for the students and everybody involved. Yes, sir, Ski. I bring you this here message, man, brought to you on behalf of LegalZoom. As we all know right now, health and safety is on the top of everyone's minds. And no matter what happens, you want to make sure that your loved ones are protected. That's why LegalZoom continues to provide a reliable way for everyone to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. It starts with finding the answer to your questions. Do you need a last will and testament or a living trust? What about an advanced health care directive? And what's a power of attorney? Thankfully, you don't have to figure everything out on your own. LegalZoom's online resources make it easy to get started. And if you need to speak to an attorney, their independent attorney network is there to guide and advise you. LegalZoom isn't a law firm, so you won't have to worry about expensive billable hours adding up. Take an important step for your family today. Go to LegalZoom.com to get started on a last will, living trust, and more. And make sure you enter code TIP at checkout for special savings. That's LegalZoom.com, code TIP. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. Mm. 
Now, did you happen to interview any of the prosecutors or anyone on the other side of, of these of these young ladies' arguments? We did. We interviewed the DA, Paul Howard. Mm. Um, we interviewed Fonnie Willis, who was the lead prosecutor, and we also had Clint Rucker, who was the other sec- – he sat, sat second chair. And so they basically all came up and said, hey, I was doing my job. I didn't want to put educators in jail. And I'm just paraphrasing what they said to me. Whether I believe it or not is a whole different issue. But they basically said I was – put in a pressure-filled place, and I had to do my job. My job is not pretty. I did not want to put educators in jail, but I also had a job to do. Mm. And they felt like there mm. truly was a crime. Um, in particular, they felt like they had interviewed a lot of the children that had been cheated. And a lot of those children, with all due respect, some of them were behind long before the cheating. In fact, the film opens up on one of the students. She, at the time we filmed her, was 19 years old, just trying to get out of 10th grade still. Mm. And was at that point she was going to quit until I introduced her to Dana. And she and Dana are in the process of putting together a tutoring program where Dana still, as a disgraced educator, mm-hmm. is helping this young lady finally get through. But the part that upset me most as a filmmaker was everybody was talking about the children, the children, the children are being hurt, the children are being harmed. And after all these people went to jail and after the smoke cleared and the dust cleared and the media went away, nobody protected the children. The children were just pushed through. And so this particular girl at 19 years old and her mom, who was a single mom, had just passed. She was on her own in 10th grade, still struggling, trying to learn how to read at a third grade level. Mm. And so to me, long before this test cheating scandal in 2009, somebody failed that child. Somebody failed that group of kids that came up with her. And so you have to look at the education system in the United States, period. What is it doing for brown and black people? Um, that it's not that it is doing for others that it's not doing for us because that little girl um, broke my heart she mm. could barely read she could barely and, and was just as bright and eager and hungry to get out of school she wanted her fair shot she wanted her 40 acres and a mule yeah. she knew what that was but nobody was helping her and and, and, and a lot is to be said even uh, for, for you Miss Dana because after all was said and done. The smoke had cleared. You gone through your your process uh, and and paid your debt. Hmm. And after all of that, when you met or found out that this young lady was still struggling, the, your first mind, your instinct said, "Let me help her," mm-hmm. because I, that's what you do instinctively. You're an educator at I, the heart. Yeah, and I think this case too is about identity. The identity that they ascribe to certain groups of people, the identity. And so all of this, this cheater, liar, whatever, it was never who I was. And so I can't, you're not going to define me by that. So people can call you what they want, but Mm -hmm. what matters is what you answer to. So I've always been a helper of people. So you're not going to, so this made me angry and bitter at first. And then I felt like, no, I'm not going to let them change who I am. So I went back. I didn't go back in education because it was too painful. Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, even sometimes seeing the school bus would make me feel nauseous like you just have trauma trauma flashbacks and so I went back into counseling and so now I'm a clinical director I work with people who are hurting emotionally and mentally and so it I've changed the venue and how I help people Mm -hmm. but I haven't changed that I help people but I but I do want to say this because I know there's a you know I'm a proponent of charter public whatever because there's room at the table for everybody but I believe that public education can change and shift and there are places where public education is working when I was at at Dobbs and I know you can only go by what I'm saying because you know but I was there at the very end in 2012 when I left 
the eraser analysis was zero. That means no cheating. We made AYP when the standards were the hardest. We had I, we had a million dollar grant to do before school, after school, Saturday school, and my children were achieving. I think that we just need more people who understand that black children can achieve. And, and there's enough black principals and teachers and black administrators that we can really galvanize ourselves together to change public education, that we don't have to create something outside of it. But no, public education has to change to conform to the needs of our children. Mm. And we just got to make it happen and not give up until it does. So I I, I know people are, are listening who are for charter schools or they for all different other, all, all right. kinds of schools, which I believe is, is there's a place for for every child for that. But I just don't want us to walk away from this table and give up on public education because I believe in it and I think it can work. Right on. I mean, even with public education, you still have to educate outside of that because yeah. you can't. Uh, yeah. No, a, a child of color is not going to learn the things that, that, that he yeah. or she need to know merely by the curriculum of public schools alone. Um, I agree. Now, this was a milestone test, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, which is mandatory test. Yes. Every year. Must happen. Yes. All grade yes. levels. Yes. Okay. So, with the COVID-19, mm-hmm. uh, fact <laughs> of the matter is, for the first time in history, they have canceled the milestones. Nationwide. Nationwide. Right. No student will take the milestones this year for the first time in decades. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, mm, is this an indicator that these tests are probably unnecessary to begin with? Mm. I think we overtest kids, and and we don't use performance based things because because our children would do better at that. If I if I could show you what I know, like you, when you described knowing how to solve the algebra program pro, pro, uh, problem without having to write it out, mm-hmm. um, then I can show you that. So yeah, I think we're over assessed, but. It needs to be more project based. So yeah, people people give up what they want when they want to. What do you think, Miss Tam? You know, it's interesting that you would ask that question. Um, I think that if it were that important, lots of things wouldn't have happened. Right. Mm. Um, first of all, and, and again, you know, I, I, I kind of can't let people forget some of the history of what happened okay. in this case. Please. Um, many people don't recall that when. We were convicted. Now, we were convicted as criminals accused of harming children or allowing children to be harmed. Mm-hmm. But our part of our punishment, quote-unquote punishment, was to volunteer to help children. Oh, right. and, and was, I'm not kidding. Yeah. I'm not kidding. The King Center was, was opening up a, uh, an after-school tutorial, and our assignment was to go over there and work with children. If you had hurt children, why would they want you to help children? Right. Precisely. I don't, children. I don't know anybody who's robbed a bank who goes to volunteer at Wells Fargo. <laughs> Do you? Could you tell them how much money Paul Howard was asking for to start this after-school program? $20 million. $20 million for an after-school program? Mm-hmm. Um, for the right. same children. Mm-hmm. For the same children. We were going to run it. He was going. So y'all were going to run it, but for he free. So you were going. You were going to work for free. And he was going to get twenty million. Children. Was that was our community Which you were already doing. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, which we spent our life doing. Right. right. Is this all in the documentary? Most of that is. That part is not. That okay. part is not. That was new. Well, that's a uh, expeditiously exclusive here, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Here Get it here first. All right, so listen, right? Just just because I'm solution-based, you know okay. what I'm saying? I try to, you know, 
find a resolution uh, uh, for every issue. Uh, what do you think is important for people to understand uh, about what happened here in Atlanta? I mean, because a lot of folks out there are looking at what happened to us and brushing it off. But mm-hmm. I mean, why do you think it's imperative to look at it and truly understand what happened here to keep it from happening elsewhere? I think there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, um, people are forced to take plea deals every day. Um, and they may not have done what they've been accused of. And they end up in prison. And prison is not a place where anybody gets any kind of reform. Right. There's no change. There's no. There's nothing to help whatever the situation was that led people in prison. Right. And I think that um, that's something that we really have to look at, overcharging people. We were simply overcharged, mm-hmm. right? This should have been handled as a matter of personnel. People who cheated should have been fired. Mm-hmm. And their licenses maybe should have been dealt with. But to wholesale sweep through a town Mm -hmm. and take out anybody who stood and said, wait a minute, this isn't this isn't my debt to pay. I don't I, I, I can't pay this debt. Right. That that simply is just wrong. Right. I, I, yeah. I, I have seen that tactic taken before <laughs> just with like real hardened criminals like motherfuckers who were really selling dope and doing shit right. I've never seen it done in, in, in the, the world of education but it happens all the time a couple of years ago I had the chance to hear Raymond Santana and Yusuf Salam they were both Central Park Five young men Yes. when I listened to them in the back of a room I broke out in tears because I realized that what they were describing that happened to them Mm -hmm. with you know the extreme prosecutorial misconduct Mm -hmm. prosecutors threatening witnesses Mm -hmm. and telling people they're going to indict them if they show up at court those kinds of things putting people together who had absolutely no connection Mm -hmm. and charging them as a group knowing full well they hadn't done those things Mm -hmm. that happens all the time we're not I thought we were an anomaly Mm -hmm. until I started paying attention you are an anomaly in the sense of you are an educator and you aren't an actual criminal Mm -hmm. but see there are like for instance there are some people who may have only sold a little weed every now and again Mm -hmm. they find themselves in the midst of a heroin conspiracy Mm -hmm. looking at far more to pay Mm -hmm. than if they would have gotten caught with what they actually are responsible for doing see so but because you are a criminal you do sell drugs you have sold drugs haven't you see look you see what I'm saying? Right. He sold an ounce of weed, five kilos of heroin, same thing. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. That shit happens all the time. Right. You dig what I'm saying? So in that, it may not be as unique, but in the sense of you're actually a working taxpaying citizen to get up and go to work and, and that you you know your instincts are to help people and help children, no less. That is what makes this so unique and, and egregious. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, man, we're going to pause in the conversation right now, man, because we have a message from our sponsor, Zip Recruiter. Right now, we cannot be overwhelmed. We still have to work, all right, to keep our loved ones safe and protect our communities. We have to work to build new solutions. But for this to work, we have to work together. At Zip Recruiter, we connect employers and people every day. But today, we're partnering with the medical community, manufacturing, and food distribution to find the right people for the right jobs right now. Let's work together. ZipRecruiter.com slash work together. Miss LaDawn. Mm-hmm. 
You have uh, an affiliation with this book. You wrote it, did you not? <laughs> That's right. And you uh, have a co-author here, do you not? I do. Let's talk about your co-author and your book a little bit. Absolutely. So my book is Cheating But Not Cheated. Mm-hmm. I co-wrote it with Christopher Waller, who took a guilty plea. He was a principal of Parks Middle School. Okay. He testified at the trial about mm. his participation. Uh-huh. And, uh, now, wait a minute. Now, for him to do that, I mean, he had to implicate somebody else. He did. He talked about his cheating oh. team. So one thing that, as Jody mentioned out, that we can't lose in this, although these two ladies, right, may be innocent, there were people who cheated in the right. public schools, and mm-hmm. they cheated very hard. And mm-hmm. in some situations, it was one of the worst-kept secrets in the Atlanta public schools, right? Because bad. it was pretty prevalent. And so he talked about his cheating team and the people and how he did it. Um, and in particular, because one of the other teachers, one of his teachers came in and told the story about him taking the package out and getting the sample test and then sealing it back closed with the lighter so that the people couldn't tell. That oh, that's test. cheating, cheating. Yeah, yes. And oh, <laughs> However, he tried to offices. implicate me too, though. He tried to implicate you. Yeah, I don't know if we... So in his plea deal, he said he received an email from me. So I'm good at data disaggregation. So I sent something out to all the principals. I would always send things to different principals and how we did things at Inman. Not all things, but some things I thought were interesting. And and they're on the Department of Education website. is something called cut scores. It content weights. It's almost like if you're taking the SAT for college, it tells you how many questions, how many you need to answer to pass. So it might say there's going to be uh, um, 10 questions on algebra. You need to pass three of them. So there's this thing on the Department of the same thing for this test. Mm-hmm. And so I sent it to them because mm-hmm. a lot of them had never seen it before. Mm-hmm. And in his plea deal, he wrote that when I emailed him that, it taught him how to, he could cheat better. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't believe it, but I think he felt bad because when we when we actually got to court, <laughs> I know right, I, but you know, but it was I, his truth. But continue. He, so, but the only the only thing about that was he he was a, he was a cheater before me. Like I came, I became a principal after him. So how did me sending him something a year after he cheated help him cheat? Didn't make sense. And content weights they don't help you cheat. They just tell you what. You should create benchmarks from those. But anyway, so, okay, he may have used it. I don't know how he could have used it. So the book really described, and we tried to do that on purpose, we described the multiple various ways that people cheated. We wanted folks Mm -hmm. to truly understand what was going on, that they learned from other schools, right? So his cheating team that he did discuss as a part of his plea deal explained, well, this is what we got from this school, and this is how we learned it from this school, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that they used were the cut scores. So now he never said, Dana was in the room conspiring with us so that she told us if you use the cut scores, way but he did in fact with his team use those cut scores in order to determine how many of the answers to change and so while he took the test coordinator out of the building his team that he had orchestrated used those calculations in order to determine how many answers to change and not change they even went so far and we go into the book to know you don't have to change every student's test right they knew sally was smart sally was going to pass the test on her own they skipped her test they went over to Johnny's test where they knew he was going to get it wrong and they were able to determine how many of Johnny's answers they were able to change. And, you know, and and I think that, you know, I I mentioned to you that I was um, prosecute and defense, right? So I can see both sides of the ball. And so when these prosecutors said, come in and you need to tell us everything you know, it's because that's what they need to make their case, Mm. right? They need to know what other people know to make their case. It doesn't always, and and I, I completely understand because I've seen it from both sides, how someone can take that to mean, so you want me to come in and lie. No, they don't want you to come in and lie because they already think that you're guilty. They just want you to come in and tell the truth as they see it. And there's no way you but could what have if you're, what if the truth is different from how they see it? 
You know, is we see it all the time. I can't tell you how many police reports I've I've read where someone says one small thing. And then the police officer takes it out of context. He puts it in his report. The DA reads the report. And it's not until you get well on down that line, right, for mm. you to be able to determine. You know, I believe that. And because I know many of the people who worked on this case, both personally and professionally, mm-hmm. that in their minds, they were doing the right thing. Right. But they were down at the bottom of this totem pole of a avalanche that had started well before they got there. Now, not to say that they couldn't have done anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they were there, they looked at the evidence that they had. How much time your guy get? So he got probation. He got the Zero highest time. fine. Zero he was cheating. He was, he was <laughs> he cheating, cheating. cheating and didn't go to jail. He was cheating, cheating. He um, ended up getting a $50,000 fine. He had to do five years on probation. He had to do several hundred hours of community service. Um, he has completed everything at all in his, in his entire case. And so the reason mm. why we wrote cheating but not cheat is because that's what he wanted folks to know. These teachers worked hard despite the fact that him and his seven folks cheated. These teachers came to school every day and the children were not cheated who went to these schools just like Dana has said that they really tried to do both what was necessary on the front end to make sure that they were educated but they were up against some unreasonable standards trying to determine getting the test scores to be AYP. And you have to remember, this was Beverly Hall that instituted the um, AYP process and getting the scores. Otherwise, you're, you know, those things will make a difference. How much time was he looking at if he didn't say nothing? He probably was looking at the same 30 to 40 years. 30 to 40 years. Well, it was interesting. He's in the film, and I, I, I'm thankful he's in the film because he did own his truth. He, did, mm. he goes in and he details how they went about cheating. Like, they used to climb through offices and climb through the roof in certain parts of the school to break into the office where the test was scored. He's a whole burglar. He was, a whole, <laughs> he really he was doing a whole lot of extra stuff. Going. His whole team was. But they admitted to it in the film, which I thought was um, an exclusive for our film, and I thought was not brave, but I, I was glad that he owned up to what he did and de- detailed it. But mm. he, a lot of the teachers we spoke to said they felt like it came down to those tests, and the tests weren't measuring what the kids actually knew and what the kids were being taught. Mm-hmm. And they felt like, I don't, you know, if you have a kid in public school anywhere in America right now, you know from January until May, that second half of the year, teachers are teaching to the test. They're teaching so the kids will pass the test. They're not teaching what they need to know every day in academics. They're teaching to test. And so he felt like he didn't want to spend four or five months just teaching the test stuff. He wanted to actually take a sixth grader who was reading at a third grade level by the time they got to him and he wanted to catch them up. So he felt mm-hmm. like a lot of his educators were working hard just to Play grab catch these up. kids from behind and bring them forward. And they didn't I, have time for the test. I have a hard only that's I have his, a hard his, yeah, his I have a hard time because um it's because those people made those choices that I'm here. Yeah. It's hard yep, yeah, see what I'm saying is it's hard it's hard to see it another motherfucker's way mm-hmm. who put me in prison. Right. Forget yeah. for instance my case, right? So I had a security, <laughs> right? I had security uh, who was suggesting to me that because, you know, my life was in danger that I should allow him to go and buy firearms mm-hmm. to protect me. Mm-hmm. That was his suggestion. Mm-hmm. He is my uh, uh, he is my security consultant right. uh, advisor, if you will. So just as I would if a mechanic were to tell me I'm going to need me a new radiator. 
I told him, go ahead and get it. So he did this about two, two, three times. So on the third time, he said one last thing, blase, blase, woo, woo. So I give him the money the third time. He go in there. But the thing is, instead of trying to get legitimate, over-the-counter legal firearms, mm. he tried to skim off the top, get some under the table by mm. stuff used, and... Uh, they hooked him up with the ATF. Mm-hmm. And so when ATF come in on him, he say, oh, no, it's for my boss. Mm-hmm. So he bring it to me. Now, when I get my discovery and I'm looking and it says, and I, and I, I'm telling you, man, I've said this before in another episode. I cannot make this shit up. It says, I wanted a new Cadillac. Mm-hmm. It was used, but it would be new to me. It mm-hmm. was $8,000 and he needed, I think, Thirty three three thousand something like that more dollars. Cause he had been skimming every time. Mm. So he said he needed three thousand more dollars. So of course you're like, man, damn, all he wanted was a Cadillac, man. Yeah, okay, but shit, I don't care about that if I have to go to prison right. for him to get a Cadillac. Support for expeditiously comes from my friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home today is so much more than it was yesterday. But at Rocket Mortgage, home is still all about you. If you need mortgage assistance, their team is available 24-7 to answer questions and offer solutions. From their home to yours, the team at Rocket Mortgage is with you. Visit rocketmortgage.com slash TIP to learn more. Call for cost information and conditions, equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, and MLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. You don't care, but you ask the question, what is the takeaway from this, right? So I'm in prison. Right. The takeaway for the schools, however, is that all of these principals came in, new principals came in when there were people before them cheating, whether yes. it be the principal or other teachers. So now they are in, they're not just trying to get a Cadillac. They are in an almost unwinnable situation. And so what Chris says, which gets a lot of jeers when people watch it in the movie, but I think it was honesty. If he had known cheating on a test was also criminal, he wouldn't have done it. He would have done He regrets doing it. But he would likely have done it again if he could be assured he said that, but, that he wasn't going to go to jail. But he the, actually admitted that. So you guys were in state court, mm-hmm. but they were using federal guidelines to mm-hmm. sentence you. And the federal guidelines are much more harsh and stringent. Correct. Which is why the sentence was 20 years. I don't understand. Yeah. So it was up for 20 years. I don't understand. Say that one more time. Repeat that again. Me? Yeah, what you just said. I said that they were state, they were were being uh, handled in a state court. Mm -hmm. They were state charges. However, they were using federal guidelines Mm -hmm. to sentence them. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's just say the RICO is a state charge, but the state says. The RICO comes with this much time. Mm-hmm. However, if you have the Fed charge of RICO, what do the Fed say RICO carries? Oh, it's that's years. much more excessive. Years, right? mm-hmm. It goes from what, five years to 20 to years? To 20, that's right. RICO so is an enhancing, an en- enhancing statute. So you could be charged for something lesser, but then get far more on the back end. If it's federal. It, well, even at the state, the state RICO charge, which is what they use, also has an enhancing measure, which makes the penalties higher. Mm. Why do that to teachers? Is obviously I'm just baffled. Nothing by worked. It. Everything didn't make sense. It just when you tried to use logic, like okay, they want they just want to know who cheated. So if we, d- but no, that didn't work. Oh, they just want you to tell the truth. No, that didn't work. They, I mean, everything from the 
the federal law to the state court to everything. The judge, how he he performed in court was oh, nothing a like was a, a judge is supposed to perform. He told the jury he could invite them over for barbecue. Um, the juror would bring pictures in of their kids dressed like him. They were front. They gave him a, a basket of candy. Do you remember that? And <laughs> and so it was. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Um, it was the, the longest <clears throat> trial in Georgia history. Yeah. This was the longest trial in Georgia history. You and I are working on another documentary yes. of the Atlanta child murders. Right. You would think that trial would have been longer than this mm-hmm. one. This was no. the longest was trial, the longest trial in, in Georgia history. In Georgia Ten history. Yeah. We went Monday through Thursday from 9 to 5. Yeah. Wow. For some test cheating. So I, I just want to add, so you know, and I. You so many ways. I, I don't know where Dana was headed, but I, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't specify that the same letters that it takes to teach, T-E-A-C-H, are the same letters people use to cheat. All we ever expected was for people to teach children and teach them well. When people have bad character, mm-hmm. low integrity, they do things that are improper. And they should be held accountable for that. You won't hear any of the 12 of us who went to trial say that people shouldn't have been held accountable. But the issue is the people who actually did the cheating walked away mm. with misdemeanor plea deals on felony charges. Some of them are back in the classroom. And some are working again. Wow. And there's something fundamentally wrong with that. The system is broken. That's what's wrong. Next question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you asked about solutions, and one of the solutions I want to bring up is all politics is local. All politics is local. And so um, by, you know, this is an election time, and we're always thinking about the top of the ticket and the crazy man in the White House, right? But you elect your local DA. Right. You elect your governor. You um, get to elect the school board members that choose the superintendent that determine what policies are going to be put in place like AYP. And so all of those things. And, and it was the local politics that made this such a big case when it started at the governor's mm-hmm. office and people blew it up before it. Well, before it got to the Fulton County DA's office, all politics is local. And we just have to pay if we want to change the way our schools work. If we want to change how black boys are, are treated in schools, if we want to change the way that people's cases are prosecuted, whether they're given what's called alpha. Alfred pleas is what you're talking about when you plead guilty, even though you think it's because you think it's in your best interest, even mm-hmm. though you don't agree with the charges. That is a North Carolina v. Alfred plea. You can change the way those happen in courts if people get involved with local politics. But then when Senator Kamala Harris ran for office, right, as president, people say, oh, we don't want her because she spent her life locking up black people, right, locking up. Which in part is true. But what we have to understand is that the role of a prosecutor is to represent victims of crime, right, is to help to enforce the laws. And we may not like everything they do because some of them are completely unethical. But if you get the right people Mm -hmm. in office, they can do the right thing. We cannot have a society without that. Right. Sure. But I mean, I think it's I think the time and attention should be spent on focused on people who actually committing real crimes. Right. You know what I'm saying? I think I mean, of course, with no with no law and order, there's chaos. But. I mean, this is egregiously done where it seems as though you're not focused on what's fair and decent and just, but just kind of what will pad the numbers mm-hmm. and 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 push forward whatever the agenda, agenda is. is. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think that's what everybody's beginning to open their eyes and kind of see through now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, they you, paid millions to put us in jail. They paid millions, millions. to put you in jail. Millions. And I paid millions to stay out. So. <laughs> <laughs> Man, listen, I, I I I salute you. You know, I know that it is not a a uh, easy way to go, and I know it's not a fair deal. 
Um, but you guys handle yourselves with integrity and um you guys are the most composed first time criminals I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> you guys made it through the system. You know, unscathed, but we're still fighting though. You're still so so you you're still I'm under yep, yep. So you're so you have an appeal. Yes, it should be coming up probably in the next six months or so. How can we help you in the matter of your appeal? Well my appeal, uh when, when the people date find out about this, what can they do to help you and and to have a favorable outcome for your appeal? I'm not sure how they can help. Pay your legal bills, because it costs okay. a lot to have an appeal, noise. Yeah. right? Noise. To talk about yeah. it, you know the 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 uh, you're at the Georgia Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, at Georgia, the Georgia Supreme Georgia. Court. So who's your attorney right now? Bob uh, Rubin. Bob Rubin. Yep. Bob Rubin. And there's an election going on. Right. Okay. For Supreme Court justices. Right. right. People who were in the legislature at the time that this was going on are running to be Supreme Court justices. The governor is appointing Supreme Court justices. And so those things make a difference. They read the news. They mm. listen to these things. And so folks continuing to talk about whether it be this documentary or the injustices that were done. Of course, they're going to follow the law, but they can't help but to ignore what they see out there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think that that's important for Dana and the, the other seven that are still on, on appeal. appeal. I wasn't afforded that. They they simply, the Georgia Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court simply refused to hear the case. Mm. Even though it was solid, it was well written, it was grounded in double jeopardy, I think it was so politically infused, mm-hmm. they just thought it best not to touch it. Mm-hmm. And I think the more attention that perhaps this documentary puts on it and people talking about the injustice, perhaps the courts will look at it differently this time and at mm-hmm. least choose to take a look at it. And- because not choosing to take a look at it was problematic. I spent 15 months in prison because of that. 15 months of a three-year sentence. Correct. Okay, and um, and, mm-hmm. and you were, uh, you you got clemency? Was no, it? I was paroled. You um, was paroled. I okay. was. I'm on parole right now. Okay. Yes. Goodness. Mm-hmm. That sounds crazy coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You on parole right And seven now. years of probation coming. Yes. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Hollywood scandal, the cheating scandal that just happened <laughs> in Hollywood, one, was it Felicity Huffman? One of them spent $500,000 to get her daughter into that school. How much time she get? None yet. Mm-hmm. They haven't even given her the RICO charge. They haven't charged her yet. Okay. So we're tra- we're waiting to see if they're treated. But there, those are all. Who's had something to do with that? Got 12 days. Felicity, Felicity Huffman, Huffman got, got 14 12. Days. She got 14 days and spent, I think, 11. But she spent $25,000. 12 people in this case, the Atlanta 12, only spent collect- received collectively $3,500. Where she spent twenty five thousand for her one. What's the other one? Lori Lori McLaughlin. Lori Laughlin. She spent five hundred thousand dollars on one child to get in to cheat on the SAT, which is the same kind of end of the year test. It's Ugh. the same testing protocols. But it's done by uh, an independent source. It's mm-hmm. done by uh, a parent and a student, and not by. Uh, 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 someone who works for the system. Well, no, Correct. there was someone in the school, so that they yeah. also pay. Not yep. to mention, they hurt more people. So in those cases where you, if her child got in, I mean, somebody else's child somebody did else it. Uh, yeah. right. America has always spoken highly about accountability. You know, holding citizens and society accountable for their actions, whether it's justice, legal, or whatever it is. Uh, but they refuse to hold themselves accountable. Mm-hmm. They refuse to live by that same principle of accountability. However, I, 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 uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that the laws of reciprocity are indeed in order. And mm-hmm. I think that right now we're, we're living through a time where we're seeing the impossible happen. 
And I believe uh, we all should just prepare to be amazed and see what's next. So I think at the end of the day, you know, our faith, who we put our faith in, whatever higher power, something bigger than us, the creator of all, they're going to have something to say about Mm -hmm. this at some point in time. You know, and I think we just might be alive to see it. You know what I mean? So I think everybody will be vindicated, liberated, you know, at some point in time. And uh, the Lord's will be done. The Lord's will shall be done. Mm -hmm. And what's fair and just and decent will prevail. Um, Now, now we have a tradition here at this show. And the tradition is usually uh, where I'll pick a word out of my vocabulary, call it the word of the week. And it will usually be uh, a, a representation of what what is happening in this conversation, in this discussion or description of the guest. Now, I have a word in mind, but I would like, since we have educators and <laughs> authors and brilliant producers here, uh, I am surrounded by the phenomenal origin mm-hmm. of civilization. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Greg. I don't know what that means. I have the power of... <laughs> black women around me so I would I would ask for you guys if you guys could come up with a word that you think is suitable and I and I, I, I'll have one I'm working on I'm gonna do my little my little homework right now. Hmm. it has to be a word of the day that reflects what we're talking about I mean you know what whatever word you think would suit the discussion hmm. let's see well, Danny, you're the smartest one no me and you <laughs> no. you and Tamara might have I to take this to one until trauma hit me until trauma, yeah, right. trauma my brain. Well, I have one. Okay, I have one, okay. and the word of the day, the word of the week that I shall choose to suit this particular scenario is dastardly. Mm. <laughs> You're gonna have me saying that all <laughs> Dastardly, which it means wicked and it cruel. It has been some wickedness. Mm. Uh, yeah. And now I believe it is best for me to use it in a sentence so people who are listening can go back. <laughs> well, actually, ain't going nowhere. They gonna sit around <laughs> yeah, and use the word like they like they don't always known it. Um, okay. <laughs> Here we are. In this trial, Atlanta Public School educators and administrators had to overcome the dastardly deeds of the prosecution. That's it. Yes. How about that? Is that suit? Is that yes? Would I pass and y'all pass? Yes. Okay, cool. A plus. We ain't even have to cheat. No. (laughs) Man, for real. Thank y'all so much for joining us. For joining us on the show. Uh, Thank you for for your 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 literature. I'm gonna Mm -hmm. read it and try my best to root for this gentleman. I'm gonna give it. Give it a gun. Give it a try. Give it a try. And watch the movie and then and look at them together. We're going to have to tune in to uh, Apple TV and, and Amazon Prime mm-hmm. Is it to yep. order One Child Left Behind. Um, and, and we're just going to have to continue to follow this phenomenal story and see how, how it ends. everything we can do to aid and assist you, Sister Dana, uh, as you approach your appeal. Ladies, you, you guys are phenomenal, and I appreciate you yet again. This has been Expeditiously. Hey, listen, man, I got some exciting news. 
My show expeditiously will now be available on Spotify. And it's free. If you already listen to music on Spotify, now you can listen to the podcast in the same place. Thanks for listening to Expeditiously with me, T.I.P. Don't forget to subscribe at Apple Podcasts and Podcast One and rate and review, please. Expeditiously is produced, engineered, and edited by K.C. Morris.